come sit with Kitty Edwards and I as we discuss the Living and Dying Consciously Project. This program transformed my views and helped give me a different perspective on how to live a consciously aware life. This is a life full of love, gratitude, joy, courage, and living with no regrets. You can learn different ways you also can step into living your life fully. Today we're we're um, talking with Kitty Edwards. She is a Boulderite. She has so many years of experience as a teacher, business owner, and community leader. Kitty's background has a colorful story, which I love to share. She has done so many studies with indigenous people of Southeast Asia, North and South Americas. She is a shaman practitioner herself, with training with from Sandra Ingram's course. Um, shamanism, as well as a graduate of the Master Program of the Light Body, School of the Four Winds Society, founded by Alberto Villoto. She is certified by the Institute of Energy Medicine to teach living and dying consciously, the greatest journey. Kitty is the executive director of the Living and Dying Consciously Project and has a private practice of energy medicine in Boulder herself. And the reason I asked Kitty to join us today was, you know, I didn't do her class once I took it two times. I literally took it two times. And this is, I wanted to give people a different perspective, a different way of looking at things to see, you know, this is the subject always tends to kind of mute people and kind of shut them down a little bit, but your work that you're doing out there, it really expands that awareness. And this is why I asked you here today. So thank you, Kitty, for joining us. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. It's wonderful to see you, Trina. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to share a little bit about what your classes did for me. Because I, like I said, I took it twice. The first time I took it in the beginning of my hospice um, journey. And it was so foundational for the work that I did as a nurse. I took it about 11 years ago. And then I took it again about two years ago. And I got a different perspective each time that I took it. Each time it gave me a different layer with the living and dying process and how we can bring in support and love and all those other sprinkling things for families and caregivers to help move that movement. And so that's, you know, it was, it was foundational with, especially with learning about what happens to the dying process with terminal agitation it changed the way I approached my, my nursing. So I just wanted to let you know that, you know, for 11 years, that was a foundational piece that I carried with me as a hospice nurse. Wow. That's really great, Trina. Um, and I, I love that when you come back, you see different layers because we do have people that come to our classes that are at different levels of training um, and yet they can dive deep if they're ready to do that, but they can also just do very simple introductory practices to learn techniques of energy medicine. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about living and dying consciously. Um, tell me a little bit about this program. Oh, okay. So the living and dying consciously project um, is an organization uh, that is in three different countries. And we have many teachers that work with us. Um, our goal is to help people confront death uh, and to let go of their fears. Oh boy, that's a big challenge too, right? <laughs> so, so we we look at it as approaching death as a rite of passage. And there are lots of preparations that you need to do. You need to prepare, you need to be aware. And we break these preparations down into four categories. The literal 
is your documents. You need to prepare your documents. You need to have a living will and have someone represent you if you cannot speak for yourself. These are all important documents. And then there's emotional preparations, having a practice of letting go, letting go, and also stepping into gratitude and reflection on your life. And then there's the mystical, mythical level of preparation. And this is storytelling and uh, life review and music and song and all those things that make us humans light up with all of our beautiful light. And then there are energetic preparations. And these are working on forgiveness or working on, um, you know, being prepared to do that, let go, say the I love yous, uh, do all that energetic work of clearing out anything unfinished business. So once you've done all that preparation, you know, what I've discovered is that you live more fully. Yeah, that's the thing. You live. It wakes fully. you up. It wakes you up. But it also brings, you know, that whole process. It takes that fear off of it. And it can actually make it a very beautiful process, not only for the person that's going through it, but for the family members and the caregivers. And oh, it's so yeah. layered. I love how you guys deal with all the body systems, the physical, the emotion, the spiritual, the the, the mental. Like, oh my gosh, that is to me a whole well-rounded approach and how how to navigate through that. And we tend to go into fear, especially when we hear, you know, like hospice or, you know, dying or, or things like that, people shut down. And so I'm hoping that this conversation helps you realize just having and sitting down those and having a conversation with the people that you love, like, what do you want? What does that end look like? Especially as we experience this pandemic, it really put it in our faces this last year, right? Oh boy, right. did it. Oh, <laughs> right. You yeah. know, and, you know, people are scared to have those conversations because they're scared that that will bring death into the room. Yeah. But you know, death is all around us. It will. It's, it's in the. It's in the seasons. Yeah. Um, so it's more like just being really aware of life all the aspects of life. So absolutely. You know, I always say, you know, we walk with both ends with birth and death each day, the, the polarity with, with each ones, it's what you choose to acknowledge and which one's going to be easier to navigate those waters. Right. And so I've even as a parent, I have three young children. I know which each of my children want what their wishes are they or organ donate donators or you know what would they want towards that because you know unfortunately we were put in that situation when my son was in ICU with a, a brain aneurysm and I had to have that difficult conversation but after having that with him it was easier to navigate with my two other ones and so I know exactly which everybody wants in my family. So there's no question if we're ever put in a difficult situation, what their wants are. And I love that this program helps kind of you navigate that. Cause I honestly believe this start, helped me not only my hospice work, but this program really helped me be able to nav navigate that kind of difficult um, conversations with them to do that. Yeah. And I'm glad you bring up children because children love to have conversations like this. Yeah. Yeah. And they love to tell stories. You know, when I even work with young children, four or five years old, they can tell you life stories of their own and, uh, you know, how they look at the world. It's so magical. 
So I'm thrilled that I'm sorry your uh, child was in the ICU, but I'm thrilled that you'd ha had those conversations. Oh, I, I mean, it's one of those experiences and lessons that you go through that you were so busy working and not living that when we went through that, I, it totally made me re rearrange my priorities and everything like that. He's fine now. So I'm, I'm very blessed and, and thankful for that. Um, but it had so many layers of lessons in that. And like mm -hmm. you said, children, they can engage in these conversations. We always think that they're too young or they can't handle this and they can't, you know, one of the most beautiful things I remember and what, what led me into even being coming a hospice nurse was when their great grandma was transitioning and she kept lingering and lingering. And it was the great grandchildren, the grandchildren that surrounded her. And I heard them giving, going in and giving her permission that it was okay, that her yeah. job was done. And then all of a sudden you saw the adults coming in and doing the same thing. And it was this beautiful process that I saw her, you know, her releasing and, and uh, surrounding with love and family. And that's what really made me become a hospice nurse. I was like, oh, I want to be a part of that. You know, I want to be a part of that transition, you know, back home kind of stuff, full of love and energy. And, and it wasn't, the kids really broke through that fear. It was them that moved through that. And I love that, you know, so you have a huge background with shamanism. So kind of explain to me how your shamanism has layered into the Living and Dying Consciously project. Wow, what a question. Okay. Um, well, shamanism, of course, is uh, the, the medicine of the wisdom keepers all over the world. Um, and going back to earth medicines of uh, listening to the seasons and working with the elements and uh, again, telling those stories and uh, looking for mystical experiences, um, which are a part of our human nature. And so uh, shamanism for me, woke me up. It stepped me out of the physical and woke me up into the wholeness of life. The whole ball of things <laughs> going on, um, the invisible and the visible right? Um, and the magical. Um, so uh, I've worked with the dying uh, most of my life, actually, since I was six years old. I've sat with wow. people who were dying. Um, of course, I didn't do it for a living. I didn't do it as a job. It just happened to fall in my lap um, over and over and over and over again. <laughs> that's intense for six. <laughs> you know, that's amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. Tell me how that kind of unfolded for you. Well, uh, uh, the first, when I look back on it now, uh, my neighbor, Mrs. Brown, lived across the street and she would babysit me uh, when my mom had to go away. And uh, she was teaching me how to knit. And so I would climb up into her rocking chair and she'd put her arms around me and we'd knit together, you know, and then she needed to be in bed. And so I'd climb up on the bed and I would sit between her legs and she would put her arms around me. We knit together. And then there was a time where she couldn't sit up very well. So I would come in close and then I would knit in front of her and she would correct me. Now, all this time she was dying. I didn't know that. Nobody took the time to explain it to yeah. me. And then she was gone. Oh, so that, um, 
But that was beautiful because you weren't afraid of her changing. Does that make sense? You still accepted that. And that's what I love about children is that they don't have this ingrown fear. We kind of place that fear on them. Um, right. And I love that, that you just were like, oh, okay, this is how we're, we're doing it today. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So when people ask me, uh, what do you, you know, what's your earliest memory of, of death? I say knitting. Oh, do you still knit? So- uh, not much anymore. I could, <laughs> I guess, but I haven't knitted in a long time. time. So most of my uh, working life was uh, as a teacher. So getting back to your question with shamanism, when I st- stepped into shamanic training, it came from an experience when I was sitting with my father who was dying, um, where he was seeing visitors or invisible people, ancestors coming to visit him. Mm, that, that happens quite frequently. Of you course. know, you know, when we're, we see that transitioning at the end and they're like, oh, they're saying that they see, you know, grandma or, you know, their brother or sister that's passed or their grandparents. I'm like, well, they are, they're preparing yeah. them. Their spirits are coming down to, to guide them forth. And he said, how lucky is that? Like how amazing, you know, sometimes you, you have to, you know, people are always thinking, oh, they're hallucinating. And I'm like, no, they can sense that, that energy layers shifting and moving it's it's exactly beautiful what was what was different for me at this time was that I started seeing what he was seeing oh oh wow (laughs) I started seeing all kinds of different things um and uh after he passed away I thought well either I need to check myself into a psych ward (laughs) or I need to go to shaman school um I think I made the right decision well yeah absolutely and I'm glad you had that open um support system my family was afraid of it when I was littler because I saw things I knew I'd have loved ones come to me and tell me they crossed before we even got the information and it just put my family into a place of fear so I learned to shut mine down for quite a while and it wasn't until my early 20s that I said oh, I, I need to in, develop this. And that's where it led from there. And, and always like the first time I heard a drumming circle, I cried because I felt like I was home. I was, yeah. I was like, what is this? Oh my God. It's ringing true into my spirit, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and what was curious about my training was I was about three years into training and um, I began to meet the things I saw the energies I saw when my father was dying. It wasn't just ancestors, there were other energies. And so it took some training for me to let go of limiting beliefs and to step into the magic and open up my uh, ability to see and hear and feel and witness. Um, And then I began uh, meeting all kinds of invisible uh, energies. Yeah. It's like, you have to erase everything that you've been taught almost you yeah. know, and really relayer a new, a, another thing. And people, you know, that is a harder process than, you know, people realize is when we challenge those limiting beliefs that we grow, grew up with, that is your shadow work and you working in those shadow pieces. But when you do, it opens up a whole other world of possibilities. And like you said, magic right? Magic. Yeah, magic. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And I love that. I just uh-huh. love that. So as you're moving through, because I know you, I did uh, Sandra Ingerman's training too. She was one of my first ones. And then I've done other trainings as well um, throughout the years. Um, 
but what guided you to bring the, the shamanic piece in with the dying process? What guided you towards that? Well, uh, I, you know, even while I was doing shamanic training, I continued to sit with people who were dying. Um, I, you know, I was the go-to person. If somebody had their mom in a nursing facility, uh, they would call me and say, Kitty, ha- how do I navigate this? Um, for some reason, I had collected over my life all kinds of wisdom around death and dying. Um, and so friends and other people heard about that. Um, so as I'm training uh, with shamanism, uh, a, a program was developed called Dying Consciously Through the Four Winds. Um, in fact, it was the first class I took with them. I showed up to see what they were like or what they were doing. And they announced, oh, we're opening a new program called Dying Consciously. Oh, that's why I'm here. So I went through that whole training. Um, and then um, we uh, set up a nonprofit organization called the Living and Dying Consciously Project. All my teachers are shamanic practitioners. Um, So they work in this energy, magical, mystical field. Um, They're doctors, nurses, you know, everyday people, psychologists, uh, all kinds of, uh, I've even got one uh, business owner and a banker. (laughs) So, uh, you know, all (laughs) kinds of different people who have this training. Um, And we all work in death and dying. So it seemed very natural to me that this would open up the whole experience of dying um, because I'd already experienced it. I just didn't have any language. Uh, around it. And so going through the training gave me language and we continue to develop our language. Uh, And our approach right now is death as a rite of passage, just like preparing for a graduation or a wedding. uh, It does take preparations. And once you start to prepare, it does wake you up to live more fully. Yeah, because it brings awareness that, you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed, you know, but it's also, I think not just that, but it also gives an awareness that there is what I liked about your program and some of the energy techniques that you did is that you were able to kind of cross energetically to see that there's something more, that there's a bigger expanse than just this human body. And that was huge. Um, when you have, when you actually physically and emotionally, mentally, spiritually experience that it takes almost a layer of that fear away does that make sense yeah it does it does and uh, what we've done is we've taken very very simple shamanic techniques of energy work and we teach them to people that have no training in this uh, in order like you said to give them an experience and to feel it in their own bodies that oh wait a minute I'm more than just physical. This. Yeah. The physical yeah, more than just this, there's something else going on. Oh, I, one of my favorite stories, I had a doctor in the class and uh, we were working on uh, getting the heartbeat and the adrenals, the rhythm of the adrenals to dance together energetically. And um, she, she said, Oh, well, I, I get the heartbeat, but I don't get the adrenals. You know, I, I don't think they, they don't, they don't have a rhythm. rhythm. Kitty. I don't, I don't understand your language. <laughs> and so I said, well, you know, that's, that's fine. You know, what, why don't you just try it? Yeah. Yeah. So um, she did, she put her hands under uh, her partner. She was working with and um, all of a sudden about three minutes into it, her eyes lit up and she looked over at me going like, 
<laughs> I've got right? it. I, I can, can feel it. I can feel yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. She laid down and uh, she got the same energetic treatment from the person she was working with. And she literally relaxed. And she said, I'm not relaxed like that. It was like just letting go, letting go, like a flow. So she's been doing that energy practice in her own work. And she's Uh, a hospice doc. So it's really. Oh, I love that. I just love that. Right. Because you open up that awareness that there's something deeper than just the physical there's this whole energetic layer that we tend to dismiss and discount in the western world and really this is bringing all that together and how it's all connected and i love that right so one of the things that you also have is um no regrets project so kind of Mm. explain that and i guess my other question kind of layering before we go into that project is what is the regrets that you hear people carry towards the end of life what are the things that you hear them say um oftentimes they regret things they didn't do do which is interesting. You would think, well, yeah, some people have regrets that I'm sorry I did this or I'm sorry I did that. But a lot of times it's regrets for things they didn't do, um, like they didn't take an adventure or they didn't, uh, you know, reach further out to someone that needed help. Um, uh, So there are these regrets that are sort of in our energy field that as we're dying, uh, it's like a little stuck energy. Uh, and so working with shamanic energy techniques, it helps those regrets loosen up and let go. And, um, and actually, the No Regrets Project was started by someone who was dying. Um, she developed the whole project with five practices in the last six months of her life. And her regret was she didn't have enough time. I don't have enough time, Kitty. Hi. Yeah, I don't know if I have enough time to create a legacy. And so I asked her, I said, well, would you like me to remove time from you so you don't worry about it so much? I said, you might show up a little late to some appointments when you don't have any time in you. She said, oh, that'd be great. Um, So I did. I released time out of her field. And then she began working on the No Regrets Project. And she came up with five practices that helped her get to the end of her life with no regrets. And those practices are be grateful every day, choose joy, choose joy, no matter how desperate it is, choose joy. joy. Yeah. Trust and take that risk. And most importantly, have the courage to be me Have the courage to be yourself. Yeah. Just to be you. Yeah. Did you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. I, I love those. I actually have the card with those five sayings up on my daily board to remind me too. you know, even though I feel like I do carry that because I'm in, I, you know, I did hospice for so long and still work with the death and dying in some aspect. Um, it's still always a good reminder, especially with those things of stepping into courage, because we let fear be such a huge roadblock in, in our lives and our decisions. And my husband says, now when you face something, you just go, I'll figure it out afterwards, but I'm facing this fear. I'm taking it on. Well, you know, that's that's the interesting thing uh, for courage. If there wasn't fear, we wouldn't need courage. Yeah. So fear is okay. Yeah. 
Fears teaches us that we need to, that's, oh, I'm a little afraid of that, that, oh, we need to take that energy and push through that fear. But I didn't mention the last practice, which is the hardest. Oh, oh, and it's love myself. Love myself, right? And then share it. And then share. Oh, I love that, right? Love myself. myself. And that's what people are most challenged by. It's not the courage. It's the loving myself. Yeah. You know, I I don't think there's not one person, even myself that hasn't dealt with loving yourself completely, you know, (laughs) like, and really stepping into that. And what does that look like? You know? Yeah. 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 It's hard. It's hard. And Patty struggled with it too. She was the one who developed the no regrets project, but um, she did, she developed the whole project in its fullness. And then she gave it to our organization to carry it forth. And we've had a great time with it. We have rituals around it and uh, uh, meditation, and I'd be happy to share the no regrets bundle with your uh, listeners. Yeah, absolutely. What we'll do is I can put it up on my website and they can download it and, you know, work with it. That'll be perfect. Yeah. 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 That'd be great practices. So I'll send a link to you for that. Okay. That'd be awesome. Like, Mm -hmm. thank you, Kitty. We appreciate that. Um, So what else is, um, so, you know, some of the processes you do in the class is pretty phenomenal. You do, you have people sit there and do a life review, uh, a review of their life. And how do you feel that helps them have a different perspective or a different way of looking at this end of life process? Well, a part of the life review is um, to look back on your life to see what made you most alive. So my favorite question is, when did you feel most alive but what comes out which is interesting no matter what the person's doing uh, i remember one person was riding a motorcycle and leaning on her motorcycle like this another one skiing down a mountain Uh, no matter what you're doing when you feel most alive the energy is lightness wholeness courage movement Um, and so if we, if you can even reflect on that in a life review, a story about yourself, then you've got it. You know what it feels like to be most alive when you can't ride the motorcycle or you can't go skiing down the hill, you know, that it's movement and lightness and courage that makes you feel alive. And so you can find that in you just by telling your stories. And everybody has lots of stories. stories. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I love that. I love that. And I loved that there was one time that what you did is like in the the process is that we got um, Oracle cards, right? And Mm -hmm. we had to pick, you know, our past, present and future, if I'm correct, if I'm remembering that. Uh, it, it wasn't Pat. What we did, it's called a three card story. Uh-huh. And uh, you take any kind of mystical cards and you pick three cards and you lay them out. One, one on the left, one in the middle and one on the right. And you write a story and move from this card to this card to this card. And, and you're not thinking about it. You're just looking at what's in the card and you're writing down and you're making up a story, free writing, basically. But what happens in the process of this free writing where you think you're writing about the cards, when you read the story back, it's about you, right? 
Yeah. Is that what happened to you? Oh yeah. It was always, I I have both stories and I could see the growth from my first one 11 years ago to the one that I did two years ago. I mean, I kept all of them all together and um, I was kind of like, wow, look at that. I was proud of myself. Look look at this growth of um, self-acknowledgement and self-love that was now layered in the second time that I did the class versus the first time. So I just had to share that piece that that was um, really neat for me to see those different pieces there. And another one that's really stood out um, was we had to do our eulogy, right? Like, oh, yes. Right. (laughs) Right? Our eulogy. The the students are most afraid of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I remember the first time it was that fear. And then the second time it wasn't, it was really, it flowed the second time. It was, it wasn't the struggle for me to come up with the words and what I would want to say around my life and, you know, my family and how I've lived it, you know? So the first time it was, and it was so funny comparing the two, they still had very similar foundational pieces that I was Mm. surprised to see, but I remember the process wasn't as intimidating the second time. Well, during that 11 years, you've done a lot of hospice work, hadn't you? Oh, yeah. You know, 11 years, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, You know, I did a charge nurse for a long time. And right now, you know, with December and all this other stuff, I was guided that it was time to put my hospice cap up. It doesn't mean it's not still dear and close to my heart. I'm always going to be an advocate for hospice care and awareness and a teacher. And that's why we're kind of doing this platform too. And so, um, but I was guided now as more to move more into the energetic work of what I'm doing. So that's what I'm embracing. I'm moving into those pieces of what really brings me joy. So yay. Excellent. <laughs> You've got that courage to yeah. be me. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and so one of the other ones that you did that was profound for me, profound. I'm so amazed you remember all this. Oh, oh, that's what I said. Like, this is why I wanted to share about this class because it was one of the ones, you know, how sometimes you take classes and you're like, you take some bits and pieces, but you take other classes that really profoundly change your perspective and how you look at things. Hmm. Your class is one of those. And so that's why I wanted to share it with you guys. Always are always so dear to my heart um, with what the work that you guys do. So anyways, the the first one was, uh, this next one was, you showed us what it feels like to remove our energetic field, our work field from our body, and how that feels when people are going through what we call terminal agitation, or, or why they get anxious and worked up towards the transitioning part of um, the crossing over process. And then that was profound to me. That process of doing that helped me really look and start working with my energetic body in a way with my chakras, my auric field that are foundational in the teachings that I do now. And it was foundational when I worked with my clients in hospice that I knew it was more than just a physical agitation that going was going on. It was a safety and them feeling secure and this layering of um, process that happened. And instead of just throwing all these different medications at it, how we approached it in a whole other level, not just with, you know, sound, music, aromatherapy, um, comforting with having those conversations with family and loved ones and all these other different pieces Mm -hmm. that we brought into that. 
So, oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, well, I think the intention of, uh, of pulling your energy field to have a shaman pull your energy field away from your physical body, this is the process that happens when you're dying. Mm -hmm. Your energy is letting go, letting go from the physical. Um, and so with uh, terminal agitation, as you said, uh, when someone gets to that stage, it's an energetic process going on. Uh, you don't need to medicate it. Mm -mm. You need to, as you said, create safety. Uh, you can have uh, soft vibrations. Certainly this is when the family can gather and just that love that's coming in the room and being shared with the person who's dying. It's, um, uh, it's very healing and it's very nurturing for that time of transition. Um, in fact, there's research now um, by uh, Monica Renz in Switzerland um, and she studies that last transitional stage before you die. Um, and it's fairly common with everyone. And she believes from her research, and this is when people start seeing their loved ones and guides and ancestors are coming to the threshold. She's uh, noted that this transition, people are more outwardly focused than focused on the world around them physically. So it's like they're standing on the threshold, looking past life. And so by helping people sense what that energy feels to pull away and that it's okay. And then when it comes back, you're much more aware of where it is and what it's up to. Oh, I love that, field. right? <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like that's what you experienced. Oh my gosh, it was phenomenal. You know, I, I, I have to tell you, it was a little, the first time I did, it was like, I was like, Oh my God, safety, safety. <laughs> the second time, since I knew what to expect and stuff, it was like, okay, I got this, <laughs> you know? but I will never forget what that felt like. I will never forget that process and how I now layer it with the work that I do and, and the mm -hmm. teachings that I do. So thank you for that. I appreciate well, you thank guys. you for reminding me. Wow. And you know what, Trina, we've, uh, because of this year, we've all been locked down. We've taken that class on Zoom. And what we're amazed at is that it works on Zoom. All the energy processes we are teaching on Zoom. Oh, I love that. Because it's not connected to a physical thing. You know, energy is boundless. There's not that physical limit. And so I think we limit ourselves thinking, well, can we teach this through, you know, Zoom or this online platform? Uh, yes, of course. Because right. especially when we're doing like long distance energy medicine, it's the same thing. There's no, there's no ties to physical well you have to let go of that limiting belief don't you yeah 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 and yeah. so we as teachers had to let go of it and we stepped into it and it's just been beautiful just beautiful oh i love that i just love hearing that mm -hmm. so you guys do a lot of what i call ritual work which is really important like shamanism is really based in the ritual process Absolutely. so mm -hmm. why is ritual so important towards this transitioning end Hmm. It's an interesting way to put that question. Rituals, um, again, they wake us up. And I'm not talking about, uh, you know, rituals like uh, exercising every day. I'm talking about things where you have to set an intention. 
you have to be totally present for it. And then you might repeat it. You might do it over and over again. So if you have a meditation practice, uh, you're setting an intention, uh, you're very present for it and you repeat it. So why rituals are important towards the end of life is that it allows us to be very present with ourselves in that, in that one moment. We're not thinking about, we got to go to the doctor in two days, or we're worried about getting a hold of this person or that person or whatever worries are going on that rituals can bring us to a moment to express what needs to be expressed at that time. And one of our favorite rituals right now that we're doing in classes is the well of grief. Uh, allowing people to notice, oh, there's grief. Grief is arising. And when they have grief that they should, I've got one over here. We set up a, a vessel of water and you see there's a lot of stones in here. Mm -hmm. So when I am working with a client or if grief comes up in me um, and I can feel it, um, then I go, I note it, I honor it. Yeah, that's grief. Oh, I let it express itself. And then I honor it by blowing it into a stone. And then I drop it into the water. So a little ritual like that brings me to that present moment of recognizing and honoring who I am in that moment. Absolutely. We're, we live such busy lives. Lives. Mm -hmm. noisy lives. run past our emotions <laughs> yeah um and and then when emotions come up we don't know what to do we think oh do we need to i shouldn't be you know i shouldn't let anybody see my grief you know hmm. well let the grief come up possibly the person you're with is grieving too um and have a ritual you can do just in that moment now that's a small ritual but of course you can have elaborate rituals um, rituals that go on for hours, uh, sitting by a fire and having a fire ceremony or building a big earth mandala uh, on the earth and putting your prayers into it. You can have all kinds of ceremonies. Um, so, but small rituals are just as important, especially at the bedside. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes we think grief is just with the loss of, or the transition of someone passing, or it's, you know, through the dying process and grief is layered and, and weaved in so many aspects into our lives. It's just not with that process. It's with transitions of a relationship, the ending of, you know, that job, even though you're excited for this new adventure um, that may be unfolding, but there's grief there for what was there with the old you know, and the same thing with us when you're changing your, even your limiting beliefs of the old you into the new you. So grief mm. is just not with, you know, we tend to, you know, people tend to associate grief with just the dying process and it's layered in all the aspects of our life when there's any kind of transition and change. And like you said, it's about acknowledging those feelings and, and processing move through that. And I love that. And I actually use your well of grief through um, some of the classes that we do, because it, like I said, it's just not always about um, grief with 
dying. It's grief with anything that we're transitioning. And sometimes, you know, even letting go of your shadow pieces, letting go of that old story that you no longer carrying, and it's acknowledging that and giving it a voice and a truth. And I love that, how you connect it with your, your prana, your life force energy with the breath. So thank yeah. you for sharing that. That's one of my yeah. favorites. Yeah. Grief can come up, uh, you know, I'm uh, working with a woman now who's grieving because her children have all left home. Um, she, you know, and she's having to change and be a new person, but she misses that having the children at home. So there's a lot of grief there and mm -hmm. it's okay. You know, yeah. bring it up. Let's honor it. Look at all that love that you've experienced over those 18 years of raising those children. And now they've moved on and you're grieving for that connection. Um, and that's okay. So yeah. I love have that. a ritual, <laughs> develop your own ritual, develop your own well of grief or your own practice to allow your emotions to be honored. Yeah. To be honored and give it an expression because we yeah. know in the shamanic, you know, it will, it, it has to have some kind of flow. If it doesn't have enough flow, it's going to manifest physically somewhere in your body. Yeah, and so, true. yeah. So it's giving you, it's giving yourself permission to allow that it's okay to have that. You know right. I mean? right. Uh, and to love yourself. Yes. Love yourself. Right. <laughs> so when you're teaching, it. when you're teaching like uh, something simple with, with someone working, because I were do mentioning about like loving yourself, what is one thing that you would give them to kind of move into that process of having them do that self-acceptance? Hmm. Well, I think first of all, one needs to recognize what your core beliefs are. We all have core beliefs um, and, and, and to create core beliefs that are positive and hopeful. So instead of we're so barraged by news about possible wars, um, destruction, the climate change, um, and if we have core beliefs that the world is dangerous or falling apart, it doesn't help us move forward. Um, if we can change our core beliefs and the statements that we tell ourselves every day that there's love in the world, there's so much love and I am a light in this world and I'm shining my light into the world that anything's possible. Absolutely. Anything's possible. Absolutely. And so if we can shift those stories that we tell ourselves into a positive mode, into a hopeful mode, into a loving mode, then we will project that out into the world. Um, and that's what we'll see. We'll see the love. We'll see the light. We'll see the beauty. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so I think uh, working on your core beliefs, mm -hmm. shifting those stories are primary in changing the way you see the world, because that's what shamans do. They know that what they put out in the world is what will come back. Back, yeah. Um, like so. attracts like, right? <laughs> that's what I say, you know, who you surround yourself with and the energy and what you feed your mind, body and spirit is what's going to be fed out to everything else. And that's including, you know, the music we listen to, the TV shows, um, the words that you use with yourself. 
you know? Oh, oh, so important with the words you use for yourself. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And so one simple one that I do for myself daily is I, you know, I write my goals and my affirmations every single night before bed, because I want it to be layered and into my subconscious when I'm sleeping is, but at the end of it, I always put, you know, my, my, what I call my power sayings, you know, like that remind me of who I am, (laughs) you know? So it's like words like I am love, I am power, I'm creative, I am smart. I am living my best life. I am the creator of my destiny. I literally have a list of probably about 12 things that I write every single night that's at the end of my affirmations and goals. And when I'm feeling like a little bit low or, you know, my energy is not at its best place, I literally start chanting that and I could feel my energy rise. I can feel my energy starting to shift in a different direction. So um, oh, you're, you're increasing your vibrations. And oh, that's yeah. so important. Yeah. So, right. you know, you can't be depressed if you're singing. No, absolutely. Right. <laughs> so Kitty, I appreciate you taking the time to discuss with me. I would like you to tell how people can um, connect with you either through the living and dying consciously project or, you know, through your personal energy work. And then also I would um, like if there's anything that you would like anybody to, you hope that was the one piece they took out of this conversation today. Mm. Um, well, I was listening to uh, Sandra Ingerman yesterday um, in a, a, a program, and she said, we're all gardeners, and what we sow is what will grow. It's sort of what we were just talking about. So, sow, sow beauty, plant beauty, plant love, so that you can live in a world of love and beauty. So, I hope everyone... Uh, can find even a small way of doing that. Uh, connecting with us, we, we have a website. You can go to www.livinganddyingconsciously.org and you can see what we're up to. Uh, we're designing a course, a shamanic course on grief for the fall on Zoom. Um, and we obviously uh, offer our workshop that Trina's been talking about called conscious transitions living with dying so if you go to our website you can find all about that but i will uh give you trina a link to our no regrets bundle so people can start practicing living with no regrets right away awesome i can't wait i'm so excited for that well thank you kitty i appreciate you joining us today and sharing your shamanic and personal wisdom it's always a joy and i've like i said you blessed me in my life with a new perspective and i'm always so honored that i get to take those teachings and and spread the seeds too as well so thank you so much i appreciate you and um everyone else you can reach this information on my website at www www.alteredhaven.com. It will also be on the YouTube informational channel. Thank you for listening today. Don't forget, you can get the information that you need at www.alteredhaven.com. Coming soon is Past Lives with me and Paige Land, which is a fun one for us to explore. Join me on social media and come connect with me.